me ask you, do, do you know where your family are right now? I haven't kidnapped them. They're safe, I, I hope. But when it comes to the tracking of your family members, these tracking apps are becoming much, much more common. And we're not talking about just where they are in the house, but where they are in the world, which obviously provides a bit of a safety net for some parents. But perhaps you're one of those families connected via these phone applications. Perhaps you're the parent of a child heading back to school this year with one of those smartwatches or a, a tag attached to their school bag. The same applies, really. Keeping an eye on them is really all about safety. Maybe you, you just want to see where your partner is when they're out and see what they're up to, uh, checking in, uh, if they've gone to the shops yet or if they've left to come home, if they've safely reached their destination. Where does this kind of connection end into some sort of excessive control? What are your thoughts on this? Uh, would you use a tracking app to find out where your family are at all times? Do you currently? Has it caused a bit of friction in your family? And does the other person really know because sometimes these apps and platforms are a kind of mutual um, automatic opt-in, if you like. So you can get into some issues where perhaps the person doesn't really know uh, and has it had an impact. I'd love to hear from you. 0418 We're talking about whether or not really you mistrust strangers or tech companies more. 0418 Jocelyn Brewer is a psychologist and cyber psychologist. Uh, and also uh, certainly knows about these tracking apps. Do you use them in your family, Jocelyn? I do not, no. None of our family are tracked. Conscious, conscious choice? Uh, yeah, I only have a six-and-a-half-year-old who I walk to school, so I um, uh, have a husband who presumably is at work, and if he's not at work, good luck to him and whatever he's <laughs> choosing to do, quite frankly. It, I don't want to know about it. It doesn't matter where he is, he's definitely in trouble. Um, <laughs> so tell me about the pros here, because there's clearly some convenience. To be honest, uh, my wife, like a lot of women, uh, uses a handbag, and I have to mm -hmm. call her a few times before... It kind of she hears it from her, <laughs> yeah, from her handbag. An easier way, and when the question really is, "What time are you be home?" or "Where are you?" Mm. then that is an easy kind of convenience. Why else do people use these apps? Yeah, look, similar things, I guess, is to be able to see where people are moving through space. And and um, I guess I even have students and, and young people who work with me who track their own parents to know whether or not they're stuck in traffic and they're going to be on time to pick them up from various activities. So I guess it is handy just to be able to, you know, not have to send that message, how far away are you? Oh, I can see that, you know, you're sitting on a train that's fast moving towards me or whatever. I guess where we get into um, difficulties is where tracking the tracking then becomes quite consuming and certainly anxiety provoking. And a lot of the work that we've seen and, and some of the work that I've done is where this goes awry um, when, you know, the phone gets left at school or the phone gets, you know, something happens to that device. Um, and then we jump to conclusions about what might have happened. Oh, it's sort of like a, 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 a catastrophism, like this idea that yeah. perhaps the worst has happened. So yes. people are getting quite obsessive about the whereabouts of their partners or family members based off the use of these apps. 
can be that, yes. And and generally people who ha- might have more anxiety, more health anxiety or um, safety anxiety, that can sometimes drive it even further because there is that sense of checking in and that becoming automatic and then becoming all-consuming if, you know, why haven't you left school yet? Why is, you know, this showing up in this place? Um, you know, obviously uh, there are sometimes kids want to have some freedom and certainly uh, at what point do we turn those off? Um, lots of the students that I work with finish year 12 and then are like, okay, well, when I go to uni, I don't want this. And the conversation about unpairing and not being tracked anymore then shifts because, you know, we don't have the same structures at school as at uni and, and all those things. So it is very specific, I guess, to the family, to the agreement, to some of the, um, I guess, personal traits um, and, and vulnerabilities that might exist in families. If you're listening to this and starting to wonder if it's a sort of niche activity, there was some research done a few years ago by the Pew Research Centre showing Mm -hmm. that 33% of parents uh, they surveyed tracked the location of their children. That was a few years ago. I can't imagine it would have gone backwards. So do we have an idea of the proportion of parents, uh, of people using tracking apps in Australia or or might we expect that the, the Pew statistic is still pretty relevant today? Oh, look, I think it's relevant. And with most, most technology, the, the the numbers are generally going upwards. They're not going backwards. There's not people saying, oh, we don't need to do that. Many young people, and, and I'm talking little ones in primary school, their first kind of device might be a smartwatch that has some of that tracking ability. Um, and, and then the dumb phone that, again, can have some of the apps that do geolocate you um, so that f- families, I guess, have that sense of safety. I guess to point out here, when we look at crime statistics, and I don't have these off the top of my head apart from to say that statistics around young people being unsafe in the Australian kind of environment, walking to and from school, has decreased. Um, I don't know about you, but I grew up with safety zones and safety houses where I had a mental map of all of those little yellow things where I would run to if somebody tried to steal me. My mum always said good luck to the person who did that. But, um, you know, look, that was unpoliced. A lot of the people who were in, you know, running safety houses were not necessarily safe people. Um, We don't have that same safety concern for young people. Um, What I find really fascinating is the space that young people are more likely to run into trouble is digital spaces. And these are spaces that parents largely don't have a great handle on, don't know what Roblox is, don't Mm. know what games they're playing. And so we've really flipped over to this physical safety rather than um, placing some attention (laughs) to what's happening in the kid's bedroom on the device we handed them for Christmas. I've got to say my daughter is seven and doesn't Mm -hmm. have any of these kinds of devices. And uh, over the holidays, I taught her to use a little uh, low-powered one-watt UHF walkie-talkie. And uh, look, I I thought that the (laughs) risks involved with this would be pretty low but then uh, she went a couple of doors down uh, on our street Mm -hmm. and she came back saying that there was some sort of like truckers talking on the same channel. So, (laughs) you know, it's not just these new technologies. It's also uh, perhaps some of the older ones. Um, And we've certainly adopted this philosophy of 80s parenting over the holidays where we bring back a little bit more uh, freedom 
and uh, yep. perhaps running wild in the sort of way that Bluey's dad would do. If you've just Absolutely. joined me uh, on <laughs> RN Drive, it's 21 minutes past four. Cyber psychologist Jocelyn Brewer is here. We're talking about these tracking apps that you have on phones, uh, things like Find My Friend, although there's many different variations therein, and what impact they're having, certainly on relationships. Uh, Peter in Lynham in the ACT says it sounds like something a stalker would love. All I can see is the abuse um, of what was meant to aid parents. Certainly, uh, that could be a case when you've got uh, custody cases or people that uh, yeah, have nefarious uh, uh, attitudes, I suppose, towards your family. You got, you got to wonder about some of those worst case scenarios and whether or not they affect the mainstream use of these technologies. Do you think that perhaps in the main the convenience wins out? Look, I think most of the time it does because all technology really is a tool and it's how we use that tool. Um, we see that with generative AI. It's all fun and games on ChatGPT until somebody's using it for, um, you know, nefarious means, I guess. So uh, people, uh, you know, really need to consider the factors that underlie why we would need to track, whether that's, um, you know, a simple trust issue, whether or not we have some, you know, underlying fear that society is much more scary and unsafe. Um, it also plays out, again, from my work with families, really around um, not giving kids developmentally appropriate opportunities to learn to navigate the world. And I just kind of like the idea about managed risk. I mean, if they've got to, um, you know, safely navigate their way home, uh, if they've forgotten their bus pass or something, I mean, mm -hmm. these are good ways, these are good exercises in building independence and resilience. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I play a game with family families called What Would We Do in 1997? Because I managed to leave a lot of stuff on trains in between um, Parramatta and Lincoln <laughs> back in the day. Um, I remember uh, when I was about in year nine meeting a boy who was 17 and getting his phone number on the train. and Landline, you know, like landline, of course. Landline, yeah. yes. Half of my journals from the 80s and 90s are all, <laughs> I made a phone call and that person picked up. It's quite fascinating. <laughs> reading. Um, and again, I go back to like, what are we actually trying to manage? And does that convenience then outweigh some of the longer term issues around developing that independence and being able to problem solve? What do you do when you, uh, I don't know, forget it's Tuesday and you're supposed to go to soccer after school? What do you do? And and how do you do that without constantly reaching out to a parent? And I know I'm not saying that kids um, and parents shouldn't have a relationship of connection and communication. I'm saying how do we then uh, up-level that and, and help them, I guess, if you've read any of Jonathan Haidt's work, you know, the coddling of the American mind and how we coddle sometimes kids. And then even if you read, um, you know, Daisy Turnbull's books about um, how um, risks to have, risks to take with your kids and conversations to have with your kids, I think they're great leaping off points to actually think about how are we um, – you know, nurturing relationships. And again, that could be even in intimate relationships where the sense of being able to track is, is seen as like some sign of, of trust and closeness in that relationship. It can go very wobbly. Well, let's flip this and talk about uh, elderly parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have one family member uh, who's at that end of, of their life mm -hmm. and they're notoriously late. 
they'd never come on time and it's become a real thing. And so mm-hmm. when a kindly um, um, uh, family member uploaded this Find My Friends and switched it on, it made it easy for everyone to know that she's okay, She's just hasn't left the house yet when she's yep. telling us, yeah, yeah, exactly. I've left now. <laughs> anyway, I mean, that kind of came awry when it was discovered that this software was on there and without the right consent. Anyway, a good text on this really from Eileen says, uh, the only time I think it's good uh, in these sorts of use of tracking apps is for medical reasons, like with people mm-hmm. uh, who have dementia and wander. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Because you, you, you exactly probably aren't getting consent, but it is for a, probably a good medical reason. Yeah, yeah. Look, and and the Apple Watch, for instance, has a fall detector. So a person in my family with Parkinson's who was having lots of falls was using that and we could actually tell the difference between some of the different activities. So that's incredibly helpful. Um, Again, I go back to it's a tool and when we have conversations around how it will be what's appropriate, what's inappropriate, what crosses lines, um, then that can be really, really effective um, with, again, not, you know, elderly people are not necessarily going to be as um, au fait with sending texts and being able to do things really, really quickly as, you know, a 13-year-old kid when they say, oh, you know, I just missed another train or the, you know, train lines are down or whatever that might be. So um, adapting technology for older people is, I guess, a different bunch of coconuts to to some degree because some of the features on the smart devices are actually too small for, you know, again, people with dementia or um, Parkinson's and, and, you know, arthritis and things like that. So a lot of adaptive technology out there um, that can be then, you know, replaced and, again, part of that communication um, around safety and working with some of the agencies that are involved as well. Some other texts on the text line. Annie from Carlton in uh, Victoria, I presume, uh, says Apple Air Tags are great for kids, mm-hmm. pets and luggage. I suppose you don't have to get a clear consent from the latter two. Uh, my daughter and I use friend, uh, Find My Friend, says this text. For us, it's about trust and not stalking each other. It works for us. Uh, and this one too from Ginger Gorman, who's a cyber hate expert. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, I think she, you know each other. She yep. uh, makes the, the, the comment that 100% of domestic abuse cases involve tech abuse and tracking apps mm. and spyware is a huge part of this conversation. Uh, she says we really can't leave uh, the elephant in the room out here considering the sinister sort of um, application in, in this context. She says... Uh, Tracking apps are creepy and we've survived most of human history without them. Why do we really need them? I think that's exactly your 1997 uh, point. Yeah, Yeah. and my work is primarily, I guess, with families. So I totally agree with Ginger that, um, you know, there's a huge piece there when it comes to intimate partner um, stuff, which I indicated can go really wobbly um, when, yeah, the the uses of it shift around. And even even without things like, um, you know, Life360 and some of the things we're talking about, people can find where you are and what you're doing um, using lots of other means uh, available to them, which mm. is, you know, again, another conversation and a, and a really it's all tools, really, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's tools until in, they're in the, the hands of somebody who has really unhelpful and often illegal um, uh, ideas about what to do with that. Well, uh, on a slightly lighter note, but for the same kind of misuse argument, Robin Urandri says the kids just install a mock location app on their phones which sends a false location so they look like they're at mm-hmm. school when they're really at the beach. You give kids yep. one little loophole and they certainly will use it. Jocelyn Brewer is a psychologist and cyber psychologist. Uh, thanks so much for your time. 
Yeah, really, really great to chat. Thanks, Andy. Nice to talk to you too. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.